This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi there, everybody. My name is Maverick. Oh, geez, and I'm Goose. <laughs> Not Rooster? You could have you you warned me. No, way too old to be Rooster. All right. Well, even though his first name is Miles and my last name is Miles, not spelled the same, but, uh, yeah, off the top of my head, I have to be Goose. All right. I'm Maverick. That's Goose. And this is the Talking Dead number 587 recorded on Monday, May the 30th, 2022. And in case you haven't noticed everyone, I don't think we're going to talk about the Walking Dead very much this episode. No, I say we talk about the flying living people. That's <laughs> that's right. They're not walking. They're not dead. They're definitely flying and they're living. So uh, no Walking Dead content this week. And that's OK. We thought we'd just throw in a bonus podcast for fun because it is a holiday long weekend in the States and Top Gun Maverick has come out. Jason and I were lucky enough to get together in the real world. Uh, the other night and go meet to a space. Uh, meet space as it were go to a movie theater and watch Top Gun Maverick together in the comfort of a VIP movie theater which has fancy reclining seats and like you know snack and drink service to your to your chair before the movie starts yeah they had this uh, there was uh, other people getting this this massive monstrosity of a drink of some kind uh what was that was that some kind of daiquiri or what do you think that was? It was huge. Like it looked like a liter at least of liquid and it was green and it came in this big like fishbowl kind of a jar. <laughs> yeah, I, it wasn't it wasn't an alcoholic drink. It was a fucking bowl of soup is what that was. Uh, yeah, it might have been both. I don't know. But <laughs> anyways, we got to see Top Gun. I figured it would be fun to talk about it and I just was like, why the hell not? You know, we uh we can throw an extra podcast in. This wasn't a Monday we were planning to record because we are in between the final two episodes of season seven of Fear. And uh, we're waiting until the premiere, or not the premiere, the season finale has aired next Sunday. And we'll talk about both of them at the same time. So instead of doing nothing, we decided to do some Top Gun. And I think it was, sure. it will be fun. Yeah. Uh, I've just for the record already seen both of the Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead episodes, and I'm looking forward to discussing them next week, Jason. I don't imagine you've seen either of them yet. I have not seen either. I was going to, I was going to contrast your seeing them both with, I haven't seen any yet. Yeah. I usually wait till the day of. I know. Right. <laughs> it's like, why, why, uh, why do it early when you can put it off for as long as humanly possible? I hear so you. So next Monday afternoon, I'll cram a couple of episodes in and then we'll be good to go. Then we will be good to go. Good. I hope uh, after we do that, AMC gives us the uh, some dates for Tales of the Walking Dead and, and even for when the main show comes back. I, I really hope they don't just sit around and make us wait for that. Uh, I want to plan for it. I want to get, you know, organized and get going on those things. But anyway, Fear will be back next week with the final two episodes. Today, though, it's all about Top Gun. Mm -hmm. So if you're not into that... I apologize, but you know, go see the movie, come back yeah. and uh, then listen to this then. Yeah. If you're not into that, get out of this and go do something else. There you go. So Jason, I want to, before we talk yeah. about Top Gun Maverick, 
which is the new Top Gun movie, the sequel, yeah. as it were. I want to ask you what you, what's your history with the 1986 Top Gun, the OG Top Gun, the original? How, how do you uh, feel about that movie? Okay. So, uh, you know, I've been thinking about this off and on, and I've been trying to remember, uh, you know, exactly what my, I've been trying to think about my history of uh, the, in the initial Top Gun. I never saw it in the theater. Okay. I saw it on VHS, probably, and I've seen it once for sure, twice, maybe. All right. I don't know if I've seen it all the way through twice. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's in the zeitgeist. It's part of uh, it's part of the you know the the backlog of history for pop culture. So I'm aware of everything that happens in it. Like sure. I, I knew the various things. I've I've watched uh, retrospectives and trivia stuff, read trivia about it. So I know quite a bit about it in the background and and uh, what was on screen. But I don't. I I think I may have seen it twice, and I never. Uh, I was. <sighs> I was between meh and I don't like this, like sort of halfway in between. I really didn't care about it. Never really thought about it as a, uh, as a good movie. It was in the Tom Cruise asshole phase. Like he went through a number of movies where he played asshole after asshole after asshole. And I really didn't like Tom Cruise in that asshole character that he played. Uh, it was, um, yeah, let me just pull up Tom Cruise's fucking history here, but he, uh, he just, he played guys that were uh, extremely cocky yeah. and sure of themselves and just jerks. And I didn't like him for that. He's gotten a lot better and it has a lot more character and charm now uh, in an on screen. In personal life, he's fucking batshit crazy. Totally. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, so, and I, there's aspects of this movie that I've never liked from the outset. The original. Uh, the original. Yeah. The, uh. The love story was a little too ham-fisted for me. It didn't make any sense. I didn't like it. I thought it was it was just too, it was too sappy and crappy. And uh, from the second he started singing in the uh, in the bar to uh, Charlie, uh, it just it made me hate him so much and hate the situation. <laughs> and the fact that she fell for him after that uh, just drove me crazy. Uh, and I want to specifically talk about that a little bit later after we get through general generalities about this, mm -hmm. the, uh, the air combat stuff always kind of annoyed me because it was either obviously in a gimbaled cockpit on a soundstage or, you know, purposefully shot stock footage of actual air force pilots flying planes. Like right. it wasn't stock footage that they bought off of wherever they filmed it all. Right. But the, in cockpit stuff did not make sense with the sh stuff they shot from uh, of the Air Force or the uh, the Navy flying their planes. Yeah, like and maintaining context of any kind of combat couldn't you could not do. Like it's just like what's going on? I don't know. <laughs> they're talking about stuff. Uh, yeah. They're flying, and the in cockpit stuff didn't really visually match, and it just it was obviously fake to me and it just drove me crazy. I didn't like it. Interesting. I mean, you have to admit in 1986, it probably, or 84, 85 when they were making the movie, it probably would have been pretty difficult to shoot actual fighter jets coherently and put it together to, to make it make sense. Uh -huh. And so you don't think they did an okay job considering how like tricky that would have been? Well, it was extremely tricky and 
you know, and it, it's that uh, that that razor's edge of do I do this even though I know it's crappy, yet I know that it'll make a ton of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, me personally, if I had the choice to do it back then, and knowing that the outcome would be this disjointed, crappy uh, mess of uh, story with action, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it. I'd be like, this is bullshit. I'm not fucking doing this. And I feel this, I feel that way about a lot of, uh, a lot of the special effects that were around back then. Like that, that lightning thing that, uh, you get. Anyway, when the, when the special effects don't naturally match, uh, the filming, it kind of, it pulls me out of it. Sure. And, uh, and this is going to, this is going to hurt me on the street. This is going to hurt me. Uh oh. But uh, when uh, Sigourney Weaver opens up the refrigerator in Ghostbusters and sees Zool. Oh, yeah. I didn't like that. That kind of it made me angry but, uh, when I first saw it. But I don't think anything in the original Top Gun looks as bad as that. The Ghostbusters <laughs> fridge scene. No, special effects are fine. It just, it didn't, the, the, the in cockpit gimbaled you know, yeah. uh, filmed background thing, yeah. uh, put next to the aerial footage of obviously reused aerial footage in right. a number of places. Like I saw that before. Oh yeah. Or, yeah, like, yeah. and <laughs> you know, there was one missile shot that they used like four different times. Sure. Of course. Right. <laughs> so, uh, it just, it, it kind of, it bugged me. So right. that was my, irritated me to meh. I didn't care at the high end. I didn't like it at the low end. All right. So you're not a fan, really, of the original Top Gun. Now, in 1986, even though you didn't, well, if you didn't see it in 86 in the theater, you might have saw it a couple of years later. So you already would have been 16, 15, 16, 17, maybe, when you saw it? Well, if I saw it in 87, 88, it would have been grade 9, grade 10 kind of thing. Yeah. For me, so a little bit older. So you might have been 15 or 16, yeah. You see, in 1986, I was 11. And right. I saw this movie, I think, when I was 11, maybe 12. And, uh, you know, I will admit, I kind of already knew that you weren't a huge fan of the original Top Gun. I think How do you know? We I, don't think we've ever discussed it. No, I think we have. I think we've briefly discussed it before. So... I kind of knew this already. And so I was thinking about why, why doesn't he like Top Gun? Top Gun was to me so incredible. And like I've, I put it on once a year when I was in Seattle a couple of years ago for work, it was playing one night at the Seattle Cinerama, this big massive movie theater there. It was just playing that night. I had nothing to do. So I went and saw it on this huge screen. And uh, like it was a seminal movie for me when I was a kid, like, you know, Top Gun, uh, Star Wars, lots of other ones, Ghostbusters too, even though, um, there are, <laughs> you remember, we couldn't remember where Puss Bucket came from and that was Ghostbusters, <laughs> yeah. but you know, movies like that were just huge in my life then. And I, th- I started to wonder, is there enough of a difference between an 11 year old boy, me and a 15 or 16 year old boy, you seeing Top Gun for the first time. Because when I think back on it, I'm like, you know, I was the perfect age for fighter jets and some cool guy riding a motorcycle real fast 
and all that. And I could successfully just totally ignore the stupid love story and not even worry about it and just be like, oh, good, they're back to the fighter jets. That's awesome. And and I think it was maybe that's why I was so attached to it at the time. And I think maybe if I was 15 or 16 years old, I don't think I was so into that kind of stuff by then anymore. And I wonder if that's kind of the difference between you and me, just a couple of years of age. It could be. I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, you know, any work of art, uh, the, the artist only has so much say in what it means to his audience. Sure. Right. The, it's a partnership with the audience. Like every person that sees it's going to bring their own experience and history to that, uh, to that event and it's going to have a different meaning. Like certain things will mean a lot to me that don't mean anything to you. Like uh, the abyss, the abyss to me is a, uh, it's a movie that I could put on and watch a million times. I just absolutely love the shit out of that movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, same with, uh, the hunt for red October. It's, you know, if I need something that that'll make me feel good, I'll throw that on. Let's get some Jack Ryan going on. I've seen the movie a hundred times. Sure. I know exactly every inch of that movie from, you know, backwards and forwards. Uh, but you know, they, yeah. they, these are the movies that mean a lot to me and it just happens to be because of my initial experience. Oh, totally. There's watching those. obviously like, um, uh, what was the first movie you mentioned? Before Hunt for Red October, the Abyss. The Abyss. The Abyss is a movie I like. I've seen it a couple of times. I I think it's a very good movie, but I don't go back to it very often. Um, and the Hunt for Red October, I've never seen. So it's you know there are different well, that doesn't experiences. Doesn't make any sense to start off. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but you're right. Different experiences. You, you've seen Clear and Present Danger. No. Right. You know you're familiar. Have you watched the Jack Ryan TV show? No. Have you seen anything Jack Ryan ish? Have, have not. <laughs> Barely even know who he is. <laughs> okay. Well, the, the name is familiar. Is. That's about it. Well, it's uh, Tom Clancy. He's a character that he wrote into a number of novels that have been yeah, yeah. translated to the screen many, many times. Sure. Yeah. I know. I just, okay. it's, I got, it has I not, have some homework for you. Uh, okay. Fair. It's just not been part of, of, uh, my sphere of, of content for some reason, but, um, Anyways, I know like what I'm saying about the age differences, that's only one factor, of course, but it's, it's the one I sort of thought of. I thought, you know, 11 yeah. year old, 12 year old boy, really into this kind of thing. If I was 15 or 16, I might not have been. I was also huge, uh, hugely into GI Joe action figures when I was younger. You know, and that occurred to me that, that thought it? rattled through my head, uh, about five minutes ago when you were talking about, uh, you know, being 11 and loving fighter jets, I'm thinking, well, there's a GI Joe thing here going on. Could be. I mean, I have, I still have all of the GI Joes I had when I was a kid. They're packed away safely in a container and I don't know what to do with them, but they're there. And I collected them at the time and, you know, it was. Nothing. They're in the archives. They're safe. They're fine. Everything's good. good. There's no problem with having them, you know, uh, packed with tissue paper and love mm -hmm. uh, in a box somewhere that is uh, above I hope the floor of your basement. Oh yeah. It's uh, in the attic of my house, so it's not going to get okay, flood damaged. <laughs> oh, it might get tornadoed out of there though, but you mm. know, put it at the core of the house. Okay. Right. Right in the, right in the core. Like if uh, you have a fireplace. I do. Uh, that you don't use. Pack them in there. <laughs> That's probably the safest place. I'll just place put them in them. the fridge. What could go wrong in the fridge? <laughs> <laughs> hey, if we learned anything, anything from Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Know, the, there's a, there's a fridge that, uh. 
that will be safe. You're absolutely right. Another another bunch of movies I like quite a bit. Okay, so I love the original Top Gun. You not so much, and that's okay. So that brings us to Top Gun Maverick, Top Gun 2022. Yes. We we went, we watched it, we saw it. I'm so curious to find out, you know, given the context of you not liking OG Top Gun, what did you think of this one? So let me let me back up just a half step here, sure. just to uh, to give uh, to give the listeners just a bit of context uh, about this. So you and I met at the theater. We went into the VIP theater. We sat down. We chit chatted about a various uh, few things. The movie started. Uh, we watched the movie. We walked out of the movie and did not fucking talk about it at all. Not one word. We didn't even say, hey, that was a movie. Nope. Uh, it wasn't. So this is the first opportunity that we've had to even remotely discuss it. No thoughts or feelings have been communicated in any way. We've been uh, uh, emotionally walled off from each other for 24 hours. Yeah, and this is how we do things. Every time we see a movie together, this is what we do. We Every, just walk away. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't even talk about Walking Dead before. Uh, no, you know, we talk about it on the air here. So this is yeah. all very fresh. Uh, I fucking loved this movie. <laughs> I, I absolutely loved, I was, it was, this was what Top Gun to me was supposed to be. Uh-huh. Right. The love story was there. Fine. You know, it, the, the, uh, the aerial combat with the in cockpit footage was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Like they really stepped it up for this. Like you could tell that uh, the actors were pulling some fucking G's. Oh yeah. Like not old, you know, not fighter pilot G's, but they were still, they were being sloshed around in that cockpit cockpits when, uh, when things were moving around. Mm-hmm. Right. So they were really doing some shit. Uh, the opening scene of this movie. Hold we're on. gonna spoil this movie. Yeah, right? I just wanted to say. I meant to say off the top. We are gonna spoil Top Gun Maverick. So Jason really loved it. I liked it a lot. Go see it. It's a fun time. We're going to spoil Top Gun Maverick. Uh, so please uh, don't. You know, turn turn us off if you're really worried about that. The opening scene of this movie was exactly the same as the opening scene of Top Gun. Yeah. Like the same soundtrack, like the same music, uh-huh. the same uh, feeling, the same kind of footage only updated for modern times, right? It was uh, different planes, better planes, uh, you know, more modern planes. It wasn't the ones from the last one, but it was uh, almost exactly, it, there, it wasn't shot for shot, but the feeling was there. The music was there, the uh, different... Uh, you know, aspects of uh, planes getting ready for takeoff and an aircraft carrier. Yeah, I, I, I think there were some shots that were deliberately the same, like reshot, but showing yeah. you the same thing, right? Like it was really, really similar. Well, they had a, they had a shot of the bunker, uh, which I uh, was looking for in the original when I when like, Jenny and I watched this the uh, watched the original Top Gun the other night just mm-hmm. to get up to speed. Uh, you, you know, the, the bunker, there's this area that is, uh, it's kind of a, it's on the deck, but it's, uh, like a underground kind of thing where they have, you know, it's got armored glass yep. and you're kind of inside, uh, and it raises up when, uh, uh, and this is where the, uh, the controller is to, uh, to control everything. Uh, but they didn't have a shot of that. From what I recall, they didn't have a shot of that in Top Gun, but they had a shot of it in, uh, in Maverick. And I'm like, look at at that point, I'm like, I'm on, I'm all on board because I love that bunker. Sure. I think it's freaking fantastic. 
when the music started, I got confused and excited all at the same time. <laughs> Are we watching the right movie? Or is this not, have we gone back in time? <laughs> no, because the music, it was, um, a couple of things happened all at the same time. One, I had just seen Top Gun. So the music was there and, you know, it's eighties music, uh, you know, and I have a more of a nostalgic thing from eighties music now than ever in the past. And even when I watched Top Gun, the music was there, but when it started in the theater, I hadn't been in the, I haven't been in the theater in years, yeah. like two and a half, three years now. Yeah. Uh, and hearing, you know, the music playing in like 19 point surround sound, whatever, uh, perfect crystal clarity, whatever it was, the experience was just like, oh my goodness, that sounds wonderful. I really like this. Yeah. And I started thinking, but I didn't like it in the original. Why do I like it now? Cause I'm, it's because I'm in the theater. Oh, good. Yeah. That's the other thing I I wanted to mention. I've been to a movie theater, uh, once or twice since, you know, the lockdowns ended and things like that, but this is your first time. And, yeah. and so I think Top Gun was maybe a good choice to go and see it. But, uh, yeah, I, I loved the opening of this film too. Even the text on screen at the beginning was exactly the same. The same, the same text. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and that kind of thing feels kind of eighties, you know, and I, I don't know why it just, it, it was the first pump of nostalgia that they give you in this movie and they give you a lot <laughs> right they do um yeah. but to to recreate the opening of 86 top gun i think was just a genius move by the filmmakers it, it's just the kind of thing where people in there there's there's very few people in that theater who haven't seen top gun 1986 or, or aren't at least familiar with it. And yeah, when, when that comes on and like you said, the music's the same and the aesthetic of the scene is the same, it, it, you can't help, but kind of feel excited for it. Right. And, right. and, and for what you're about to see, what you're about to get into. So I think it was just a genius move and it was an amazing introduction to a movie that had the rest of the time, you know, similar plot beats to the original, uh, and you know, not the same story, but definitely no, a similar story. Um, well, it had a story, you know, the original Top Gun, the story kind of seemed cobbled together, uh, you know, after the fact it was, you know, let's get a bunch of friggin' fighter pilots together doing mock dog fights and having this exciting uh, you know, f fighter jet movie. It's like, oh shit, we need a story. Let's, uh, uh, well, um, <laughs> well, I mean, love, love story. Not only that, I mean, the original Top Gun is about, you know, learning what's important, right? Goose dies and Maverick has to deal with that. And only partially does in that film. He completely does in this one, which is, I think another amazing, uh, just whatever, just an amazing thing that the filmmakers did here. But I, I don't think you can say original Top Gun had no story. It just was a more, it feels now these days, way more of a kind of typical full of tropes kind of story. Right. Yeah. Which it, I didn't say it didn't have any story. It just had, yeah, yeah. felt like it had a cobbled together story. All right. Fair enough. Um, well, I think Top Gun Maverick was you know, two or three movies in one, in a way, like it was totally your big 
fancy summer popcorn blockbuster that was super fun, but a little dumb at times. Uh, there was lots of action one-liners, you know, people almost die and they don't like some of these people seem superhuman and what they can do. Well, somebody had to die, right? Yeah. I mean, this movie was very much a sequel to Top Gun and it had, uh, uh, there was a lot that was built on top of that original movie, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, if, and it had a lot of, there was a lot of, uh, similarities which I want to talk about it a little bit later, but uh, a lot of similarities from the first movie. So I was waiting for, I was trying, I was pick, trying to pick who was going to die. It's like, are you going to die? Oh, maybe you're going to die. Somebody had to die. Well, yeah. And then it's interesting that none of the pilots die. So, I mean, no. none of the current generation of pilots die. And as we said, we're going to spoil this movie. So Val Kilmer was in it. Val yeah. Kilmer. Um, I thought they did a, a fantastic job kind of, putting him in a role that, and, and honoring his character in a, in a way actually, right? Val yeah. Kilmer is old. He has, uh, I mean, he's probably similar age to Tom Cruise, but Val has undergone a lot of uh, health problems. He can no longer speak really. And they worked that into the film. They wrote that into the movie and he had a scene where he has this uh, really important conversation with Maverick via typing on a computer until the last bit where he stands up and these two guys actually speak to each other. And it, it's, it's an important moment for Maverick in the film. Yeah. And then 10 minutes later, uh, he's dead. And that's the sort of death in the film that, you know, pushes Mav to, well, in the right direction in a lot of ways, the conversation and the fact that he dies shortly after it. Yeah, and I, I liked the Iceman character in this movie, even though, you know, Val Kilmer, uh, his role in the movie was small but important, uh, but the character of Iceman played an integral part, part to what was going on. Mm -hmm. Like, he was, uh, you know, he, he was the umbrella uh, protecting uh, Maverick from himself, essentially. Well, right, and he was the one that advocated for him, right? He yeah. he, he did protect him. At, at, you know, at certain points and you can feel that he's been doing that for years, right? That's, that's one thing I thought was really well done and really interesting too. You know, we, we see these characters in 1986 when they just are getting to know each other. And at first they're rivals and then the movie ends with, you can be my wingman anytime, right? No, uh, you can be mine. And, yeah. and now we jump ahead 35 years and these two guys are clearly best long time old friends and what we got in this movie filled in all that for us without having to see any of it yep and that's not a, probably not an easy thing to do right but they successfully did it here and i thought that was really fantastic i agree one of the things i liked uh, just to talk about the symmetry from the other movie from top gun uh you know two of two of the things that i liked a lot was the tom cruise character taking on the uh the charlie role yeah. in the bar, uh, you know, being in the bar the night before, uh, class starts and everybody kind of getting on a hand and, uh, you know, teasing the old guy or, you know, uh, you know, singling out Tom Cruise for whatever, mm -hmm. or singling, singling out somebody. And they turned out to be the uh, primary instructor, uh, in their class the next day. I liked that. And I also liked the fact that, uh, that Tom Cruise was taken on the, uh, the gesture uh, character as well. 
Mm-hmm. So Jester was uh, Tom Skerritt right. in the first movie, who uh, was the kind of a mentor to Maverick because uh, uh, Viper flew with Maverick's dad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, you know now Maverick is uh, you know taking on kind of a rival, uh, but ultimately mentor for Rooster mm-hmm. because he flew with Rooster's dad. So he was, and also you know Maverick was the the primary. Uh, antagonist pilot in the, uh, in the training, yep. which is what Viper was doing too. So that he kind of, I liked how they had uh, Maverick take on both of those personas in this movie and have it, uh, have it be a part of the, uh, part of the plot. And, and how about, so Rooster played by Miles Teller, who is Goose's son, who we do meet in Top Gun from 86, we do. who's now yep. all grown up and a pilot himself. I, I mean, if if there's an award for casting <laughs> and um, costuming, which I know there are, uh, the people who who made Miles Teller look like Goose are deserve that. <laughs> he award. really does. He really does look like him, doesn't he? Oh my God, it's so good! Like when he first walks in and the mustache and the Hawaiian shirt, like I've. I'm like, holy Jesus, they've resurrected Goose, you know? <laughs> uh, but I also, of course, have to give some props to Miles Teller for just doing a great job. Um, and it wasn't just the way he looks, right? Like, there were lots of lines in the film where it's the same thing Goose said, you know, Mav, you got to do some of that pilot shit and stuff like that. You know, it's all yep. the same. And, it, like, that's that's what I mean when I was saying this is a big summer blockbuster that's kind of silly at times because that sort of stuff is a little bit silly but it's so good and uh i don't mind it at all and it just ramps up the nostalgia factor which you know i should say i am very aware that nostalgia works on me (laughs) yeah it it really works on me Movies have gotten so good at weaponizing nostalgia nowadays right like you can't make an original movie uh, you know, the studios are all like, uh, I need it. It's exactly what, uh, Taiko, Tai Tai Waititi or whatever his name is. Taiko Waititi, uh, yeah. Ta- in, um, Free Guy. Uh, have you seen that movie? Yeah, I've seen Free Guy. Okay. So it's, his character is saying it's, it's sequels and IP, right? You cannot, mm-hmm. you know, making an original movie. What the fuck? Are you crazy? Uh, we need sequels and IP because we need to be able to, uh, you know, have brand recognition and or weaponize nostalgia right so they've gotten good at it because this is how movies are made now totally and and i mean it's a different conversation but i don't want there only to be sequels and ip based movies it is nice when an original film comes out but they're kind of like free guy (laughs) well yeah (laughs) kind of (laughs) well it yeah kind of i mean it's uh the constant yeah okay well that's a whole other conversation but yeah yeah Anyways, uh, you're right. They're very good at doing that. You know, the nostalgia of watching Star Wars when the, the, the prequel, not prequel, when the latest trilogy came out, you know, really worked on me. And every time they do something like this to a movie, I guess as long as they're good. And I don't know, maybe I overrate them because of the nostalgia factor, but I just know, I know it works on me. So I really appreciated all of it here. The second kind of film that I thought this was, and it's more of a story thing, right? It's, it's a passing the torch movie. It's passing the torch story where Maverick is passing his knowledge onto these new pilots. Um, and 
learning to move on and let go to agree to a degree right and yeah uh, i think that kind of story in this film was really great too and probably totally necessary because every year you've got new pilots coming up and every year someone's coming up who's going to be better than you and eventually you have to let it go and pass the torch to the next generation pretty much right it's kind of what this movie was doing uh and in a way i I don't know if this is just me but i almost feel like this was real world tom cruise admitting that he might be getting too old for these things a little bit too you know what i mean uh not yet i mean one of the big trailers for this movie was uh the new uh mission impossible movie that's coming out i know i say that despite knowing that there is dead reckoning mission impossible dead reckoning part one and part two coming Part one. two movies? Yeah. Well, that's why it's part one. Shit. And part one doesn't come out until next year, 2023. So we're probably three years away from part two. So I I get it. I mean, Tom Cruise doesn't seem to be slowing down, but I mean, the guy is 60, isn't he? If not... Uh, 62. uh, He was born in 1962. So whatever that is. He's old. That's 10 years older than me. So that's 60. Yeah. Okay. There you go. So... You know, he does some pretty incredible things, but he, even he at some point is going to have to admit that he's getting too old for this shit and uh, maybe pass the torch a little bit. And this movie felt like a bit of that. Now, I also, at the beginning of the film, I don't have the line in my head exactly, Jason, but when he's being told that by John Hamm's character, I think they're talking about how... You know, we don't, soon we're not even going to need pilots. These things are going to fly themselves. They're all by, done by computer. You're going to be obsolete or something like that, right? And what does Tom, what does, you know, Pete Mitchell, Maverick say? It's, uh, you might. Not today. Something like, yeah, you might be right about that, but not today. Yeah, I said, so, you know, soon you will be irrelevant. Uh, you're, you know, the pilot is going to be irrelevant. And Tom Cruise says, says not today. Yeah, it's a great line. I loved it. Um, but But even that to me is kind of like him saying, yeah, I know, I know it's coming. Just not right now, not today, but soon. And I think a lot of the themes and the story of this movie were about that a little bit too, just passing on to the next group that's bigger, better, and faster than you. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there was a lot that I liked about this movie. Uh, I mean, do we get into the Star Wars thing? (laughs) I mean, holy uh, the shit! Fact it that was they, it was the trench run, like <laughs> it was it was the trench run, right? <laughs> oh, it's just like okay, put it, and even the second the second guys, uh, the second team to go in uh, with you know head by headed by Miles Teller, and then the the bomber team or the uh, the targeting team, yeah, uh, behind them. Uh, even then, their uh, their targeting computer had problems, and I was just thinking, turn the targeting computer off. Let's just use the force, right? Yeah, you know, like just. You know, and yeah, we even had a fucking past Jedi uh, goose that could have uh, made an appearance to to tell him to turn his targeting computer off. That's right. It was so the trench run. Talk to me, goose. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's the same as Obi Wan showing up for Luke, and Luke use the Force. Talk to me, goose. That's that's Top Gun's use the Force right there. Yeah, uh, and the, and the two people behind them, I guess they were R two. You know, yeah. was that R2-D2? Yeah. Of course. So, and yeah, it was very much the trench run. Uh, can I talk about the two things I didn't like about this movie? You, hold on to it for a minute. Yeah, All I right. wanted to say that I, I completely agree. While I was sitting there watching it, holding your hand, I was thinking, this is the trench run. 
wasn't really holding your hand, but you know, uh, would have been nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe next. You time. know, social distancing and all that stuff. You got two different family households here, but uh, you know, maybe with a little bit of Purell, if we hit some Purell, we could uh, we, we could have held hands. Okay. Well, fucking missed opportunity right there. Uh, all right. Maybe next time. But I was thinking that. But I also thought to myself, well, this whole thing, this whole movie kind of feels like another Tom Cruise franchise, which is obviously what we've mentioned, Mission Impossible. Because when you think about this, they're, they present, they're presented with this mission, which is apparently nearly impossible. And all of the movie, a good chunk of the movie is them laying out how they're going to do it, planning for it, figuring it out, and like giving the audience that insight into uh, here are all the steps we have to take to be able to do this kind of like you see in the Mission Impossible movies. So I have a feeling Tom Cruise kind of approached Top Gun going, you know what? I've made more Mission Impossible movies. I'm really good at those. Why don't we take something we've learned from that and apply it to this and maybe it'll end up being really great. So now that you mentioned that, it kind of occurs to me that this is the first and only time I can think of where you tell the audience what the plan is uh-huh. and the plan works. I'll tell you why that happens in this movie. It's why? because the plan works, but what happens next is unexpected. It, it was uh, it was an unexpected uh I w- and I was trying to figure out the whole movie. I was trying to figure out how the fuck in a plane movie uh-huh. where everybody's flying planes and riding motorcycles, how <laughs> is Tom Cruise going to run as fast as he can? Well, it, how is that even going to be possible in this? They found but a way. He managed it. Yeah. He did it. He did it. I was very happy. Yeah, but what? But it, what's incredible is what I thought about this is they. What you think is going to happen as an audience member, because we've been kind of programmed to figure this out or to think this, is that the mission's going to happen. It's going to go pretty well, but something's going to go sideways and somebody's going to sacrifice themselves or if not sacrifice themselves, they're just going to die in the process of doing it. But there's going to be that death is going to be instrumental in having the rest of the team complete the mission. Right. Happens in movies all the time. Um, but in this one, that's not really how it played out. The mission is successful, like a hundred percent successful. Nobody dies. And, you know, right at that moment, I'm thinking, holy crap, this is, this is different. The movie's going to end now and everyone's going to gather on the aircraft carrier again and high five. And that'll be that nobody died. They were great, but the movie's not over at that point. A whole bunch of other stuff continues to happen. Uh, a bunch of other good stuff. Some silly stuff, but they also are able to find a way to, again, pump up the nostalgia with an F-14, which shouldn't be in this movie, uh, put in some dogfighting, actual dogfighting, which wasn't a part of, you know, the initial mission. And, you know, happens very rarely in real life anymore, if ever. Right. So and they needed that stuff in there to make it feel kind of top gunny. Yeah, And I liked how you think the movie's wrapping up and then all this other stuff happens. And yeah. And then we get like an act three. Yeah. Yeah. We get the, or an act four. I'm not even sure. Cause uh, the, the, uh, the initial uh, Mach five stuff at the beginning was more of a prologue. I would call that a prologue when he was trying to go Mach 10. Yeah. Yeah. What did I say? Mach five. 
Ah, that's piddly. That's fucking we can walk Mach 5. <laughs> oh, Maverick could for she can ride that motorcycle. Mach 5, he can. Hell, I can scream at Mach 1. There you go. You sure can. <laughs> sound coming out of your mouth. <laughs> that's right. Speed of sound, baby. Yeah. Uh, you're right. But this might have been a four-act movie where that fourth act was that post-success mission mission, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and And that's really where we get to the third type of movie that I thought this was, and it was a making up for past transgressions storyline, right? Because Tom Cruise, Maverick, was there when Goose died. Uh, Goose's son, Rooster, his call sign Rooster, he he doesn't like Maverick because of that. Maverick did some other stuff. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't really because of that. He doesn't really blame maverick for his father's death i thought it was going to be that but it wasn't it was because he pulled his papers yeah and he it fucked up his career it's because he interfered with his life not because he was involved in his dad's death yeah that's that's a fair point i mean i'm sure he's not happy about that but you're right it's because he delayed his career by years by pulling his papers out of the naval academy and he wasn't in it as when he should have been right yeah um and that's that's really really interesting you know and and the the reasons Maverick that were given for Maverick doing that are are pretty valid too, to be honest, right? Yeah. Like you can you can understand why he he did that. And I probably I, I won't go into what those are. We'll leave something to mystery here. But um, they did a you know the writers found a good way I thought of of making that seem realistic too, and uh, and it was it was more complex than the fact that Rooster was just upset that. You know, Maverick was in the plane when his dad died. Yeah. So that was all really good. But that point of the movie, that fourth act, is where those two guys um, really ultimately work out their differences. And in a way, they're forced to because of the situation they're put in. But, uh, you know, it it was okay. And ultimately, in the end, um, <laughs> they're best friends again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or all for the forgiven. first time. All is forgiven. Yeah. So that, that was, that was good. All right. So what is the stuff you didn't like about the movie? So there's two, there's two things I didn't like about the movie. The first thing was, uh, when they were playing, uh, uh, multi-directional football. Is that which, what he called it? He said offense I mean, he and called defense it something. at the same yeah, time. It was, yeah. it was something football that was, you know, offense and defense at the same time, the two footballs. And anyway, when they were playing that and John Hamm comes up and he's pissed off because they're playing football when they should be, uh, you know, training. Mm -hmm. uh, and Tom Cruise says, you wanted a team. This is how you make a team. It's like, I call bullshit because the friggin' military is all about making people part of a team. <laughs> They've yeah. been doing it for a thousand years at a minimum. Right. Right. The military has been taking people, breaking down their individuality, making them part of a team and uh, doing that. Uh, John Hamm's character, uh, I forget his name. What the hell is his name? Adam, Adam Cyclone Simpson. Yeah, he was Cyclone. Uh, Cyclone. He knows full well exactly what was happening. It was team building. I knew as soon as I saw it what it was. I've been part of corporate team building bullshit. Sure. Where the attempt is to make, <laughs> you know, people feel part of a team. I resist it normally, but I understand it. I know yeah. what's going on. Trust exercises, having a bit of fun, having an, uh, a mandatory uh, happy hour at the end of a sprint uh -huh. drives me crazy. It's like, okay, well, let's go have our mandatory fun now. Fuck you. I like these people. Fine. 
but I don't want to be forced to visit with them. Sure. Uh, after hours every three weeks. I'm pretty sure Weird Al put out an album called Mandatory Fun, didn't he? I don't know. I never really thought I, I, where that phrase came from, but I think now I know. Yeah. Yeah. You're more of a Weird Al guy than I am. Oh, huge uh, fan. Yeah. So uh, I call bullshit because, uh, you know, the military knows full well exactly how to build a team. And this was obviously a team building exercise. Uh, okay, fine. But let me present this to you. Don't you think it is an, an excellent way to uh, show that to the audience, the average audience who doesn't really know maybe, or doesn't really think about that from a military perspective. It's just like, this is, this is what needed to happen for these characters. This is what needed to happen to create this, this group. Fine. I mean, Jennifer Connelly was there for some reason. Why not explain it to her? Yeah. Okay. Somebody in the military would know exactly what's going on. Maybe, you know, Jennifer Connelly, her character was part of a, you know, the, uh, uh, what was it called? The flight deck or the, the, uh, her, her bar was called the hard, the hard deck. Hard deck. That's it. Uh, the hard deck. I mean, she's part of the military culture. She would know too, but at least explaining it to a civilian might make a little more sense. Uh, You're right. You're totally right. Uh, It's a nitpick. It's an absolute uh, nitpick. That's fine. But that bugged me. The other thing, uh, and this didn't occur to me until, uh, you know, I've been thinking about it for the better part of a day now. The whole opening scene, the prologue, where he was going to Mach 10 and uh, uh, what's his name? The, the, the general dude or whatever that came in to shut down the program because he wanted it for drones. Right. And even John Hamm saying that you're going to be obsolete in a little while, you know, all, you know, your entire job, uh, you know, your entire, uh, you know, every pilot is going to be obsolete in a little while. That would have been a good opportunity to have a kind of competition over should we send pilots on this mission or should we send drones? Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah, yeah. drones, uh, one of the biggest problems they had with this was the massive amounts of G's that they had to pull to get out of that, uh, out of that uh, crater at the end. Yep. Uh, you know, drones don't have that problem. Nope. So why not have uh, a, a, a competing program to try and see, uh, and then have a, uh, you know, competing program to see if we should send drones on this mission or whether we should send pilots. And then pilots are... Uh, the superior thing because they can, uh, you know, react to whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh, I think that the theme that they set up in the prologue was dropped and it didn't need to be. It could have been part of this. No, that's a, that, that is a really good point. Um, I think they they might have almost gone there. I mean, there's there's the scene where, you know, the mission gets moved up a week, right? And John Hamm is going to take over from Maverick training these people, training these kids. I think it was after that anyways. And then, so they're all sitting there in the the training room or whatever. (laughs) Maverick goes and steals a plane. Like that's one of those things, you know, he can just run off and take one. Okay, fine. Uh, You know, based on the, we can talk all, I watched a video on specifically on the crimes committed by Maverick in the original Top Gun. Uh uh, And it was, uh, you know, a civilian lawyer and a military lawyer talking about it. And uh, he would have done a lot of fucking time. Uh, based on the, sure. just on the, you know, uh, I, we can get into that yeah. later if you feel so inclined. I mean, I think you just got to let it go. But the what how the scene plays out is they're sitting there and there's a live, 
mission view on a screen in front of them or whatever it is. And uh-huh. so Maverick's gotten in a plane. No one has been, none of them have been successfully able to like complete the mission during training in the time that they need to do it until he gets in that plane and he does it while they're all watching, right? He proves to them that it's possible. And uh, that was, I mean, I started thinking about that when you were talking about the idea that we could have had drones versus humans a little bit. That could have been the scene that shows, no, a human can do this. A human has to do it because maybe even drones or remotely piloted aircraft can't do it, you know? Uh, But they didn't go there. And I think you're right. That was kind of set up at the opening bit and then, then dropped. Yeah, drones. Are, yeah, and uh, so there's a big, and it might've been a military thing, right? There's a big difference between, uh, you know, drones that do reconnaissance and even, uh, you know, strategic strikes mm-hmm. versus uh, aerial combat drones. Like they don't really have, right. uh, they're not really there with aerial combat drones. And that could, you know, and having that as part of the, uh, uh, as part of the movie, might have rubbed the military the wrong way because they really needed to be on board and they really needed to be portrayed in a positive light yeah. for uh, both the initial, the original Top Gun and this one. Yes. I mean, they Anytime definitely- you get any kind of military backing, uh, you uh, they get, you know, a big say in how the military is portrayed. Yeah. They totally need to be on board. <laughs> Um, it's like, if you want to release a movie in China, you have to have a Chinese character and it has to be pro China. Uh huh. That's right. That's just, that's just the rule. Otherwise you don't get released in China and you lose out on a huge fucking market. A big chunk of money. That's right. Uh, well, I thought it was interesting that, you know, the enemy in this movie is never named. We don't know. As, As in the original. Well, come on though. In the original, they're MIGs. They're obviously Russian. They may not use the the word, but. They were North Korean, but, uh, cause the star is on the North Korean, uh, but the MiG-28 doesn't exist. It's not a real plane. Are you sure? I am absolutely positive. Okay. I watched it. It's, uh, they're painted black F-16 Tomcats or something, not Tomcats, but there's something else. There's no such thing as a MiG-28. Uh, and they did that on purpose because they didn't want to point at any specific military because if they had a specific plane that they named like a MIG yeah. uh, that the that the Russian military used, then uh it would be like, oh okay, they're Russians. They weren't Russian, they were in the Indian Ocean. Yeah. Okay. They were uh, unnamed. <laughs> yeah, fair fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Maybe unnamed. But I think if they weren't pointing directly at a country, they were just pointing off a little bit in the original Top Gun. I think initially it was supposed to be North Korea. And they kind of backed that they made they obfuscated it a little bit. Fair enough, but I think in this movie it was way more obfuscated. It was just we're not going to even worry about who it could be. We just call these fifth generation fighters. They're better than ours. That's it. (laughs) Which is interesting position to take. uh, You know, when you talk about the uh, the U.S. military portrayed in a positive light. Yeah, having an enemy. Even if it's an obscure, unnamed enemy that has superior fighter planes, that's a weird thing for the military, for the, uh, for the Navy to go, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. I mean, they would probably never want to admit that that kind of thing would even be possible, right? Son of a bitch, why not just make them drones? Well, there you go. No, if you want to have man versus drones, there's your opportunity. Don't the drones, the drones still have to be operated by somebody though. 
They do, but they do not have G limits. Like you could pull yeah. a twenty G turn in a drone. It's the same with uh, it was the same with missiles. Missiles right. can make fucking turns that the fighter pilot can't. Yeah, the plane would come apart, or the pilot the pilot would go into G lock. Yeah, and uh, that'd be the end of it. Well, those fifth generation fighters that we did see in action at the end of this movie, uh, they could do some weird shit in the air. I'll tell you, uh, the F twenty two. Uh, yeah. can absolutely do that kind of weird shit. They have, uh, they have vectored nozzles out of their coming out of their engines where yeah. they can, they can freaking they can do some weird shit like that. That shit is possible. Yeah. Now I, I know. And, but it's, it's nuts. Like what we've, uh, as a, you know, science has figured out about aviation, you know, the, the idea of wings creating lift and a plane just flying straight normally. I mean, that's, that's just ancient technology at this point. Those things could friggin' just slide through the air in all kinds of weird orientations. It was crazy. Well, it, uh, you know, fly by wire, uh, you know, yeah. that's even outdated now, but, uh, you know, the, the technology that's needed to keep those fucking fighter planes in the air, like they're so naturally unstable. Like the, you know, you lose the computer, the thing falls out of the sky. Yeah. A human person can't actually fly that thing. Uh, they just provide inputs into the computer and the computer goes, yeah, I can deal with this. I got this. Uh, yeah. And so it, in being that, uh, you know, having that, uh, low initial stability gives them, uh, lots of abilities in the air to make changes to direction and speed mm-hmm. at a very short notice. Yeah. It's, it's neat stuff. It's really interesting stuff. Uh, but anyways, um, so I love the movie too. Thought it was, was really great and, you know, surprising in a way, because who would have thunk that all these years later, they make a sequel to Top Gun and it's better than the original in a lot of ways, you know? It, it, it was better than the original. It absolutely was. It, it was, uh, it was a head and shoulders uh, you know, sorry, Tom Cruise for being, you know, so short. I don't mean to make a short joke, but it was, uh, it was a lot better than, than the original. And I kind of knew it would be, well, I knew that the, uh, based on Tom Cruise's track record of doing his own stunts and doing crazy shit all yep. the time yep. in a lot of movies lately, mm-hmm. that, uh, if Tom Cruise was going to be in a fighter plane movie, you better believe that that guy is going to be in a goddamn fighter plane doing fighter plane shit. He he can fly those things. Like he's learned to fly those things. He was actually doing it. There's no way they, well, they wouldn't let him fly it. Like they were all, every shot was two seater, either, uh, you know, shot from the back seat into the front seat where it doesn't matter because there's a goddamn helmet on Yeah. or there's a pilot in the front seat and the actor was in the back seat with a camera on him. Well, whatever. There's no way that the military will let, would let anybody but a professional military pilot fly one of their planes. What if Tom Cruise has the hours required? Like he's a pilot. He can do. He's not military. They can't, they won't. I know. I, I agree with they you. They, they would never, 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 never. They probably wouldn't let that happen. All I'm trying to say is I think he could if they would have let him. Like, he he can do this shit. He actually rode the motorcycle. You know, <laughs> I'll give him that. You could see the actual wheels in the original Top Gun. You could obviously tell he was on a trailer. Oh, well, right? there you go. So he's he, in you 30 know, years, so he's learned to ride a bike. <laughs> He, well, he had to learn the ride, a, ride a motorcycle for the original movie. He didn't really know how to do that. Oh. That scene, he had to, uh, it was on a trailer because it was going very fast and he was like acting off screen, like mm-hmm. giving a fist pump to the, whatever pilot was taking off. Yep. 
but the actual, you know, he was driving around on that motorcycle as well. So he had to learn how to ride a bike for, uh, for that movie. And he's practiced a lot since then, I would assume. Good for him. All right. Well, so we can at least give him that. Can he can ride a motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, two other bits of trivia I found out about this movie since we've seen it. Number one, the plane at the very end of the film, the old, uh, I, I don't know what it was, honestly. You have no idea what that was at the end, that plane? Which the, one, the, the F-14? No, 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 no. At the very, the last, the final scene, it's a, it's like a World War II plane. He takes her up in it. Oh, yeah. Whatever that is. That's his actual plane. He owns that plane. Oh, so he nice. can he can fly that thing. Uh, and then the other one is more of a character bit, but I didn't realize this while watching it, but uh, Jennifer Connelly's character, Penny, mm-hmm. and I don't know if this was really in the film and I missed it, but she is... Um, referenced in the original film, that character. There's a scene in the original where they're kind of talking about Maverick's uh, conquests in a way, and there's a line about how he's done um, high-speed passes over five air control towers and one admiral's daughter. And Penny is the admiral's daughter, you know, 35 years later. So they have this history together, and they've rekindled in this movie, right? I didn't catch that. No, I'm not sure it's very obvious in Maverick, but yeah, I think it's a fun little callback. So nice, nice, nice. All right. Well, anything else, Jason? Top Gun Maverick's a fantastic movie. Uh, yeah, it uh, it was a good movie, and uh, he still would go to prison for uh, you know, doing uh, disobeying orders, stealing a plane. Sure. Uh, you know that kind of shit does not get forgiven. Uh no. Right? I, and in the obviously. original movie, he was. Uh, he goes into land. Okay, he they, there's a bit of a uh, the initial dogfight at the beginning of uh, Top Gun, the original yeah. movie. Yep. Uh, so they go out there and the uh, you know they they're, they're fighting against uh, a couple of or four four enemy f- uh, fighters, the MiG twenty eights, and uh, the other pilot gets uh, somebody gets a, a a missile lock on him. Mm-hmm. Doesn't fire because nobody fires. Yep. He gets a missile on him and he freaks out and he won't land. Yeah, it's like Cougar, just, I think. Is that Cougar, Cougar in the film? Yeah. I think that's Cougar. So Tom Cruise is coming in for a landing. Goose says, we're low on fuel. We got to land this thing. And uh, he goes in and then just takes off again. Uh, you know, fuel be damned. Uh, and uh, then the uh, the air boss gives him a direct order to land uh-huh. the plane. Uh-huh. And he doesn't yep. because he wants to go out and give another pilot moral support. Like, what was your plan there, Mr. Magoo? Well, I mean, he guides him down a little bit, right? Remember he says- No, he didn't even talk to him. It's like, okay, you're on the radio. It's not like you're standing next to the guy whispering in his sweet nothings into his ear. You're still on the fucking radio. You could have done that from the flight deck. No, he couldn't have. He's on the radio, but he's actually flying right next to him saying, stay on my wing, like keep your altitude where I am. He guides him down to the aircraft carrier next to it. And- you couldn't do that from a radio on the ground. Not in the same way. Anyway, so he, yeah, he disobeyed a direct order. <laughs> yes, uh, that's at, the point. A, yeah, that's the point. Uh, and then <laughs> the flyby he does at the end after um, the actual combat, um, at uh, you know, after the Top Gun thing, and then uh-huh. they go into actual combat, and he shoots down three uh, MiG-28s or whatever it was, yeah. or two or however many he shoots down. Uh, and then he does another flyby. Yeah. At that point, what he's doing is he's disobeying a direct order in a time of war. Like they are in a state of war. You know, shots have been fired, planes have been down. Mm-hmm. That is a 
uh, it's a capital punishment it, offense. It's a very military. punishable offense. Yes, he would have been hung for that. Literally, <laughs> like, literally. Well, he would have been. He could have been executed for that kind of uh, disobeying of a direct order. Okay. I don't know if I believe that actually would happen, but maybe that's well. Yeah, it's kind of tough. And then even okay, just to 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 go on a couple a couple other things. Uh, when he went in, uh, when Charlie leaves uh, and goes into the bathroom, and mm-hmm. he goes into the women's bathroom, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's conduct on becoming an officer and is a chargeable offense. Like right there, he would have been drummed out of the military okay, for fine. doing that. But you know what I thought of too that scene. Like as gross as it is, and it's kind of eighties. I think Kelly McGillis in that scene was given a little bit more agency than in she could have been, or in if this was a different movie, right? Like she talks back to him. She's like, "What do you just want to go right here on the counter, or whatever she says, right? <laughs> or drop down on yeah. the floor?" And he says, "Like I was thinking about this counter. Like <laughs> it's not, it's it's gross, but it's not quite as one sided as." It could have. Been. No. And I'm not I trying to justify agree with it, you. but it's, I'm just yeah. saying it's not as bad as it could have been, even though it's still bad. Okay. You know, chasing somebody into the woman's washroom is a bad thing to do. Uh, you know, strictly, I was just thinking of you know, what military crime is he committing? Okay. You know, fair, regardless yeah. of whether, you know, if there was nobody in that bathroom and he went into the bathroom, uh-huh. still a crime. It's still uh, conduct unbecoming. And it's, it's that, that, uh, that military statute is vague on purpose because they just want to go, yeah, that's a bad thing. Yeah. I didn't know it be- before now, but I know it now that that's a bad thing. And so you're going to be drummed out of the military. I mean, if I go and use the ladies room at my office because there's no one around and there's somebody in the other one, is that unbecoming of me? <laughs> you're not in the military. No. I've accidentally gone into the wounds washroom before and <laughs> looked around and went, no urinals. I'm probably in the wrong place. I uh, walked out. There was nobody in there. Yeah. It was a, you know, it was just a, it was an honest mistake. Uh, but I'm not in the military. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a Naval officer. I don't have, I'm not wearing, uh, dress whites when I do that. Right. Usually so you have, you, you know, you're, uh, you're being held up to a very particular standard. <laughs> conduct unbecoming of a clown that's a very different standard <laughs> yeah you know if you if uh, civilians could be charged with being a dickhead yeah uh there'd be a lot of people in prison oh who wouldn't be at this point <laughs> yeah really all right well hey man top gun maverick is awesome i say go see it everybody and if i mean if you've gotten this far into the podcast and uh you haven't i'm sorry but it's still worth checking out absolutely yeah the the visual spectacle uh, alone is uh, is worth it. It's pretty amazing. All right. Well, that was fun. See, I knew that would be fun to talk about Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, I was surprised. I, you know, in my heart of hearts, I wanted Tom Cruise to go into space. You oh, know, yeah? I had no, I've never seen a trailer of Maverick. I've been avoiding trailers uh, for years. Mm-hmm. You know, going to a theater, I was forced to sit through trailers, which kind of pissed me off. Sorry. Uh, but, you know, it's the nature of the beast. Uh, so I, I didn't know anything about this movie. I knew that it existed. I knew that it was called Maverick and I knew that he was older, but still a captain, right? right. I knew that he wasn't, uh, you know, progressed in the military as Val Kil- Kilmer did. It was the, uh, he was, uh, he was what, uh, commander of the Pacific fleet. Like he was the guy. Right. And, uh, and you know, he was as high as you could go in the military in anyway, 
Uh, that's all I knew about it. And so in my heart of hearts, I was thinking Top Gun in space, maybe he joins the space force and goes into space and has Top Gun space battles. I think I'm not in sure my that. heart of hearts. That's kind of what I wanted. I, I'm not sure. I think you got something better than that though. I did get something really good. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, did you, did it, did you ever think that Maverick would die in this movie? No. No. Why would, why would Tom Cruise die in a Tom Cruise movie? Well, I don't know if Tom Cruise ever dies in movies, but I thought, you know, they're going to do something bold here and kill off Maverick again because we're moving into the next generation. Then they can make a whole bunch more crappy Top Gun sequels, which I really hope they don't. But uh, I kind of thought they kind of, they could, they could get Rooster going. Yeah. You know, Miles has got some time and uh, he's got some, he's got a lot of years that he could uh, spend doing fighter stuff. I don't want to see any more uh, Top Gun sequels, but I did think that maybe they would kill Maverick in this film just to put a, you know, put a period on this whole thing. But they nah. did not. No, they did not. Not a chance. All I right. didn't think that for a second. Even when, even when they, I, they showed that it did happen. I'm like, yeah, there's no way. Yeah. A couple of times in the movie, it felt like it just about happened. Um, the, I think the coolest thing the most, the most awesome thing that happened in this film was when Maverick saves the other pilot. I think it's, uh, I think it's rooster because he's out of flares and there's a missile coming on him and he does yep. the whole hit the brakes thing. Plane pops up and then he drops his own flares like right behind him just before the missile hits. Like that is something that I don't think is realistic in any sort of way, but boy, was it awesome to watch. That happened before though, right? That was, uh, they alluded to that. Somebody else did exactly that. They, the wingman came in and, uh, saved. Well, Mav has, he has this move where he's done it in the original movie and he did it here too, you know, hit the brakes, he'll fly right by kind of thing. It's a way of getting an enemy off your tail and suddenly reversing positions with them. But the, what he did here is he pulled that, but then he went up and dropped the flares right in behind him, which was the, the like extra move. No, it was Rooster that did it earlier in this movie. There was, uh, you know, Maverick was on uh, that other guy. What's his name? The cocky guy. Oh, um, uh, Hangman. Hangman. Yeah. So, yeah, hang, he was on Hangman and Rooster came in and, uh, you know, went in front of Hangman to get uh, the lock off of him from uh, right uh, from Maverick. And Maverick said, okay, your wingman saved your life, but he's going to pay. And that's yeah. when Rooster first got his... Uh, uh, first got killed or, okay. you know, mock killed. Right. So that happened before. And then Maverick does exactly the same thing. And, uh, knowing that, you know, the wingman is doing that, sacrificing himself for, uh, for the other pilot. So that was kind of a, uh, I thought it was a nice, a, a nice setup for totally. that as well. And the, uh, and the, you know, going up and you know, breaking, uh, two opposite things, I think. I think one is an acceleration and, uh, you know, breaking a plane. I'm not sure, like if you jump on the air brakes, I'm not sure how the air brakes work, but whatever. Uh, I think the plane just slows down. I don't think it pops up. Yeah, probably. But this is well, I know. I don't know from planes. <laughs> no, no, exactly. I take their word for it, basically, with most of yeah. this stuff. All right. That is our review of Top Gun Maverick and a little bit of Top Gun 1986 as well. Uh, so super fun, super cool. I, you know, 
I thought this would be fun and it was. I think over the years, Jason, we've probably gone to see and talked about every Star Wars movie that's been released in the last 10 years. Uh, and it was nice to pick a different franchise. For That was sort of Star Wars anyway. Sort of Star Warsy, anyways. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know that going in. Like, I had no idea we were going to get the trench run, but we did. Yeah, it's you know we got a we got a very exciting trench run, which uh, you know they had to hit the, the missiles right on target, which was a, a vent that mm-hmm. was only three meters wide. It's like fuck, I can shoot though. We used to do stuff like that with our T14s back in Beggars Canyon. Sure did, sure did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let us know if you guys saw Top Gun uh, and you and you liked it or you hated it. Hopefully you didn't hate it, but uh, I would be here. I would be interested in hearing some reactions to it in any case. Next time on the podcast, we will be back with, uh, you know, coverage of the final two episodes of Fear of the Walking Dead. And that'll be next week. It'll be a week from tonight as we're recording this. So look forward to that. I do have some feedback from uh, some people that we'll probably include. So if you have any thoughts on Walking Dead, by all means, send in some comments if you want, and maybe we'll read some of that on the show as well. And to do that, you got a couple of options. You can visit the website at talkingdeadpodcast.com and clicking on send voicemail at the top to record a message. Or you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at talkingdead. All right. This was a good time. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I guess until next week, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening.